The gold rush of managed services is quickly coming to an end. Over the next 10 years, we're going to see a consolidation and culling of managed service providers across the board. That's a direct quote from Tim Conkle, the CEO of the 20, the MSP consortium. To put a finer point on it, there are more than 40,000 MSPs in the U.S. alone. The ones that are going to survive and thrive are those that will take advantage of the massive and growing to the tune of $80 billion cybersecurity and compliance opportunity. That's where Aptiga comes in. Aptiga is the end-to-end GRC platform that security-focused IT providers use to build and manage world-class cybersecurity and compliance programs for their clients simply, quickly, and affordably. It's trusted by hundreds of MSPs and MSSPs who are growing lucrative security practices, creating stickier customer relationships, and winning more business from competitors. For more, visit aptiga.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-G-A.com. Hello, and welcome to the Risky Business Podcast presented by Aptiga. I'm your host, Robert Hilson, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Zach Fuller, the founding partner and head of business ops and strategy at Silent Sector. Silent Sector is a cybersecurity company that primarily serves mid-market and emerging companies. Zach started the company in 2016, and uh, and they've been growing like gangbusters ever since. Um, Zach's also one of the hosts of the Cyber Rants podcast, if you don't know. Uh, that's actually been a tremendous crash course in this industry to me. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur, and he's a former special forces in the U.S. Army. Zach, thanks a lot for being here. We really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. So uh, you, you have a really impressive background. I'm, I'm curious just to kind of kick things off. Like when you're at a cocktail party, what's your go-to humble brag? <laughs> um, try try not to humble brag. That's uh, <laughs> um, no, I you know I, I think um, for me it's it's always been. I get, I get uncomfortable being too comfortable, right? Cause I, then I feel like if I'm not, if I'm not growing, if I'm not stretching, if I'm not pushing, then something's going to blindside me, right? It's kind of life either forces you to grow or you choose to grow. And I'd much rather do it on my terms than, uh, than, you know, I get blindsided. So I, that's kind of my outlook on things. And, and I, I just, I love being around high performance driven people, that's why the cybersecurity industry is fun, you know. So many people in this business just love their craft, and that's that's rare in business. So, it's something yeah, special. that's that, that's awesome. And I'm going to ask you about why you chose to get into this industry, but just to kind of give some context for kind of the, the topic of this podcast, um, we wanted to invite you on because, in addition to you know building this really uh, successful managed cybersecurity services company, you know, essentially from scratch. As I alluded to, like you have this track record of this kind of thing. Like you founded a couple of successful businesses, I, I think, in the real estate space. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, I, I think it can be argued that it's harder potentially now than ever before to run a successful, probably small business generally, but a successful managed services business. And so, you know, there's a lot to be learned from how you and your team at Silent Sector have have run and, and kind of grown this business over time. So um, maybe let's just kind of start from the beginning here. So I mentioned this is seven years old at, at this point. Tell us kind of how you got started, kind of where the interest came from and kind of like how you surveyed the market opportunity as you were thinking about getting into business. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a kid, I was, I I really took an interest in tech. And so I was getting kicked out of computer classes for hacking the networks and locking their teachers out of their own systems and stuff. And back then it was just a slap on the wrist, right? I mean, this was, this was early AOL days. Um, You were a really cutting edge company if you had a website, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, since then, though, I, I I kind of 
took on more entrepreneurial roles. So between military and then just entrepreneurial ventures. Um, but in those ventures, I was already always involved in the tech side. I was kind of like the default CIO for the, you know, these new, new ventures, and new companies. So everything from doing, you know, building new websites to, to implementing Salesforce to fixing computer issues and stuff kind of just fell on, on my lap. Cause I was the, the tech, you know, somewhat tech guy, but that wasn't my, my sole focus really is more the business development, entrepreneurship uh, side of things, uh, more so than the tech. Um, but that being said, I was I was in the real estate private equity world, and um, it was great. I learned a ton. We did really really well. Um, and uh, but over time, I realized it just wasn't my calling in in life. And and I had been hearing more and more about what was going on in the cybersecurity world, right? And all the breaches, right? The, the, the media was just blowing up with articles about all these attacks going on. And I realized, you know, this might be an opportunity uh, to, to go into a space where I get to protect good people that are doing good things, uh, really protect what our, our, our mission is, is protect the backbone of the American economy and our way of yeah. life, right? And so in, in cybersecurity, I saw an opportunity to do that. Right. That that's something that's it's it's much needed. And we're in this kind of war of attrition right now. So I took an interest in it, um, started reading books, started doing um, started the the company with two partners who I had met through my kind of search on on um, how to get into this business. And they both have tremendous experience in, in cybersecurity. It's made, made their careers out of it. And um, so it's been, it was great because the three of us all brought a different lens to the table Then almost had a benefit of coming from outside the industry and that I could ask questions that people in the business weren't really asking. And so in, in a way that was beneficial. Now I took, I did, you know, night courses and things like that to get certifications and all that good stuff so that I could speak the language. Um, but, but yeah, from there we just, you know, we, we carved out our area of focus and really started started growing. Um, I should say early on we didn't have much focus, but over time we we carved that out and um, just continue to grow. and And we're a simple business model. It's you know we get clients, keep them happy, get referrals. I mean it's it's pretty straightforward from that perspective. Prior to when you guys actually opened your doors for business, did you have a sense of kind of who your clients were going to be or did you have kind of pre-established relationships or is it just like, we're going to do this and kind of, you know, clamor for them afterwards? Yeah, I, I had no idea. Um, okay. I was coming from a whole different, whole different industry, whole different market and real estate, private equity. We were working with high net worth individuals all over the country, right? So there's, this was more of a business to consumer focus. Now stepping into the B2B world was new to me, but also um, understanding the nuances of what organizations would want and, and, and who would be receptive and so on. I had no idea. So I started out with this shotgun blast approach, just, you know, outreach to all kinds of organizations, talking to anybody and everybody and um, wasted a lot of time doing that, but learned a lot <laughs> through the process too. So, um, so there are quicker ways to do it certainly than I if I were to do it all over again, I'd do it differently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right on. Well, I'm gonna uh, we'll, we'll circle back to that in a in a few questions probably. But you mentioned you have a you know you said you have a simple business model. So you guys are just providing the managed services as opposed to offering additional uh, like security products, for instance. Why did you decide to go that route? Yeah, it's a good question. So the 
uh, and just to differentiate here, there there's a lot of confusion about managed services versus what I call professional services. Okay. In that managed services typically involve um, implementing tools and technologies, monitoring remote, um, that sort of thing. Um, so that's not so much of the space we're in, although it, it could it could certainly be called that, but we are more developing cyber risk management programs, doing pen testing assessments, things like that as well, and compliance programs. So we, you could think of us as the fractional cybersecurity department from uh, chief information security officer to architects, engineers, analysts, project managers. That's really, really our focus. Um, and so, so with that, we, the the company's really grown based on on the people and the and the talent and the abilities uh, that we have and and our team very much values uh, expertise right they all want to be the best at what they're doing and are constantly working to you know to grow and thrive in in their areas and so with that we we have just we started out with the three partners right and we all did everything at the time as as you do when you're when you're starting from the ground up. And uh, it really took shape of, of their skill sets first, right? And, and then we brought on additional team members and such, and um, we were able to build out our services accordingly. And so that's really, that's really how it came together. I mean, it, it be uh, above and beyond anything else. Had I had known somebody that was in the MSP space or something like that, running an IT company, it, it probably would have it taken a different shape. But I'm 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 grateful that we we went the route that we did out of out of um, the the way what the relationships brought to the table. Right? When you started when you started building your team, I was going to ask you this. Um, you said that there are the three of you, and you were basically you know you guys were jacks of all trades essentially. When you started hiring, were you looking to hire for individual? like specialties or was it just like, we're going to find the best people and then whatever they're good at, we're going to kind of point them in that direction. So far it's been, it's been some of both. So okay. if we, in, in, in certain cases, uh, you know, Hey, this person's really good in this area. That could be a service offering. So we, we, we have a little bit of that, but I'd say, I'd say it's been more, um, all of our, all of our connections have been through, existing networks, primarily my partners, because they've been in the industry so long, they know they've worked with so many hundreds or thousands of people throughout the years. They know from their previous roles, who's good in what areas. And so some of the first um, areas that we needed to focus on were project management, for example, and not just not general project managers, but actual cybersecurity project managers and program managers, people that speak the language, they know um, the ins and outs of how these pro how these cyber risk management programs come together, and so that's um, been a tremendous asset with our team members that we have in that space, and um, and then you know other capabilities have been grown. So we've we've actually had some um, more entry level people, um, people are younger in their careers, just getting getting ramped up, but we've been able to teach them the silent sector way, so to speak, in certain. That's awesome certain areas like uh, pen testing, for example. So that's been a lot of fun because we get to help them grow in their careers. We get to serve the clients. They're, they're by default really good at what they do because they're passionate about it. And so everybody, everybody benefits from that. 
That's awesome. Um, I, I bet that's like a, a nice way to retain people too. Cause I, I know this, you know, there's a lot of a movement in this industry for, you know, for sure. Um, so one thing I want to ask you about, like this space is obviously so competitive. Um, how do you think about differentiation, not just kind of in your offerings, but like in the way you brand yourselves and the way you market and the way you sell? That's, that's a hard one and it's extremely difficult to do, but really it comes down to uh, focus specifically on expertise rather than tools and technologies, right? We all use tools and technologies and we use a bunch of enterprise grade stuff we pay for. That's part of it, but uh, there's too much emphasis in our industry in that. And, and we really need to show that, hey, it's, it's the actual, the, the people behind what's going on here that really are going to make the difference, right? They can make your life much, much easier. They can create a lot of clarity or they could make it extremely difficult and drag the process out. So for us, we want to, you know, be the former. We want to, we want to help make lives easier. So that, that just comes down to a lot of time in the business and, and everybody talks about expertise and throws up certifications and that sort of thing. But it's pretty clear when, it, once we're able to get into a discussion with a potential client and talk with their technical team, it's very clear, right? Because there's kind of this, this, this trust that's developed between the, the most technical people as they talk about the different nuances of, of their roles and what they're working on and that sort of thing. So when we can speak the same language, that's excellent. We also... There are also situations where uh, companies don't have anybody that's very technical, and that's mm -hmm. fine too because we we have a, a I'd say fairly unique ability with our team members to be able to take the complex and really break it down and make it very simple and clear, and and that's what it's about. A lot of this is about translation to the to the the actual business itself because I mean none of the 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 technology, the cybersecurity, all that stuff doesn't really matter if the company's not doing well and thriving and succeeding and going in the right direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Um, just to kind of quickly circle back to the, some of the, the branding and marketing stuff. Um, I, I want to ask you this cause I, I think this is just generally challenging for, for small businesses. It seems like it comes pretty naturally to you guys. Like, you know, we talked about the podcast, um, you, you have a mission, uh, it, it's a great mission and that's like something that I think is not unique, but is, is different about you guys. Um, mm -hmm. And then I know you're, you know, you have a big social following, like you're out there speaking all the time. So like, did that stuff kind of come naturally to you or was there like, kind of like, we, we actually need to do this to go out and kind of drum up business? Both. So I've, I've built businesses previously and that's, that's really where I thrive. I could go into any, any market, any industry and build something out of it. But in order to do that, there's a, there's a process associated with that. Right. So you I have to know what the customer is actually one looking for. And sometimes they don't necessarily know. Cybersecurity is a prime example of that. They don't necessarily know what they're looking for. Um, so two, we have to know what's going to truly benefit them and then frame the messaging around that. So everything we do is very educational based. That's hence the book, the podcast, all those things. So um, I, I, as, far as, as far as brand development, um, some companies pour lots and lots of money into it and and focus very much on the the brand itself the logo the comp you know all about the company i think for us it's more about the people and mm -hmm. you know put the people first because nobody really cares about the 
the silent sector brand, right? But they meet Mike or Laura or Zach, or, you know, or or anybody on our team for that matter, and then they start to see something different. And so that is the brand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that and that's what we're doing. It would be different, I, I would say, if we were a software company or something like that, because then they're more interested in the product. We're we're a, a people based business. That that is the product, right? Is that that talent and expertise? So we have to be be good about branding that. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to stand out as a smaller organization uh, against the big, the, you know, huge firms out there that have massive sales teams and all that. But um, we're also in a, in a time where I think people are getting a little worn out uh, and, and want a more uh, uh, personal relationship with the organizations that they, they bring on. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that. Um, let me ask you, like, how do you, Given that this space is changing so quickly, like how do you put yourself in a position to identify and take advantage and kind of be prepared for these trends and opportunities that I imagine are just kind of emerging all the time? Yeah, you know, I mean, we're fortunate to be in a space where it's just continue, continually growing in demand. And I, I think as far as getting in front of those, it's it's really keeping a pulse on the market. I mean, we just are very tuned into what our clients are struggling with, what they're asking for, what they're and more importantly, what for them, what their customers are asking for, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of our clients serve enter, large enterprise, Fortune 500s and such. And we it, it kind of comes from that, that you know, big corporate level down. A lot of times they want to make sure their supply chains are, are intact and are going to stay secure. So they're getting more and more stringent. So a lot of it's driven by those demands. It's not even the cyber attacks out there as much, I'd say, as the um, the vendor risk management side of things and the compliance side of things with the compliance requirement of the week popping up. I mean, you, it's, it's tough for companies to keep up. So we just, you know, get into that place where, Hey, you know, our methodology, it's a new requirement, but you know, it's saying the same thing as these other 15 requirements out there. So let's just modify the language a little bit and go for it. And so it's, yeah. it's really, yeah. So, so you all, like I mentioned, you're, you're celebrating seven years. I, th- I think this year you were founded in 2016. I I'd just be curious to know, uh, maybe just give us what's off the top of your head, but like, how has this space changed the most between now and then? Like whether it's the way services are delivered or the threats that are out there, like w- w- what comes to mind? Yeah. Well, one companies are being way more proactive, which I'm grateful for. So it, when we started, it was, like pulling teeth. It's like, well, yeah, we know we need to do this, but you know, maybe next year, maybe later. Now it's more and more companies say, Hey, we know this is, is going to be a requirement for us and we're growing and we want to get ahead of it. And that's just really refreshing. You know, it's great. Um, I think the more proactive companies can be, the the better off they'll, you know, they'll be from a risk management perspective, of course, but also from a business development perspective, they, they, they won't be bottlenecked by those security questionnaires coming down from their, their enterprise customers. So, so that's, that's really uh, a great thing. I think there's certainly more buzzwords and terms and things flying around than, than that are basically rebrands of what we've always been doing or what a lot, you know, cyber professionals have been doing for a long, long time, but um, there's also a lot more confusion in the marketplace. So it used to be that a cybersecurity firm was kind of a, a specialized thing. And then there was all the other technology, uh, c- companies out there, right. That didn't, 
slap cybersecurity on everything that they're doing. So now the consumer has much, uh, much more to navigate than they've, they've ever had, I would say. So that's, that's a big change. And that's an, an interesting change. There's a lot of noise out there in the marketplace and it, it can be hard for people that are not in this business every day to figure out what's what. Well, and that's a good transition to this next topic, which is, you know, from the, the consumer side, where do you see the most confusion? Where, where do you kind of give guidance around, you know, when, when you're out there looking for cybersecurity and compliance offerings, like what are the questions that you should be asking so that you know that you're getting the best services, the best products? Um, you mentioned confusion. Like, where do you see specifically the most confusion from the people that you're talking to? Yeah, I, I don't know that I could point to, it's really... It starts out with, well, what do we do? What are mm -hmm. our options? And and there are so, it, there appear to be so many options on the marketplace, but there's really only four if you boil it down. And because I've thought a lot about this, there's there's four options when a company is going to build a cyber risk management program. So mm -hmm. I'm not talking about all the different types of tools and things like that that you could use or uh, different types of pen tests and such. But as far as building a cyber risk management and compliance program that's going to secure your organization, keep you up to speed with your customer requests, with compliance, all of that. The four options are the first do-it-yourself option, right? Now, I, I applaud this approach for for the small companies that are you know just new startups and such, even just Googling you know top 10 things to protect a small business and, and actually executing on those, actually doing, implementing those is a a big step ahead. It's way better than doing nothing. But of course, that comes with its challenges in that as companies growing, everybody's wearing a lot of hats already. Trying to keep up with securities is is uh, not feasible for the long term, right? To to do it. So the the do it yourself is a good place to start, um, but not necessarily sustainable for most. The the second is your IT company or your managed service provider, your MSP, right now. You, you need to think about the model here, right? So most managed service providers or IT companies, the business model is that we install hardware, software in the environment. We keep up with it. We keep the data, you know, the, the keep the lights on operations, all the day-to-day -day activities are going. And that's outstanding. You need that, right? It, most companies that don't have all those capabilities in-house will, they need somebody to manage their IT. As a security specific company, there's only so much we can do if they don't have somebody that's their boots on the ground, IT talent, doing all that work. That's got to be done. But a lot of the companies are also saying, yeah, we do IT, but we also do cybersecurity. So, but realize the business model, they're not lying. Yeah, they've, they've, they're putting in firewalls, they're managing endpoint protection, right? They have a, hopefully have some sort of patch management, vulnerability management program. All those things have to be done, but that's not a holistic cyber risk management program, right? So those are the first two options people see. The third is the virtual CISO, right? And, or CISO as a service, fractional CISO, lots of names for it. Now um, that can also be an asset. It's the, the, but again, you got to consider the pros and cons, right? So most of your fractional CISOs are uh, kind of career tech people, they work their way up usually in a big corporation and they're a lot of times are on the tail end of their career. They're consulting now and um, enjoy the work and that sort of thing. But a lot of them, and this is, there's, there are some unicorns out there. This is not everybody, but a lot of them have not actually been hands-on in tech, 
for a long, long time. So they they come up with a strategy and the, the the a lot of help with the governance and documentation and such. And a lot of times it comes down to either giving the company a list of here's what you got to do, good luck, or bring in you know their friends and different connections and all these different areas and kind of piecemeal a, a, a team together. Um, but there's not the ones that are actually doing the work. Yeah, exactly. So if you need somebody to dig through your log files because something happened, or you need somebody to do a pen test or something like that, or build architecture diagrams for you, things like that are generally not your your virtual chief information security officer, but they can help from the governance perspective and all that. And then the fourth option is hire in-house. Um, but this is for the smaller size companies out there. A lot of times it's cost prohibitive. And mm-hmm. what they find... And even if they can get somebody in house, a lot of times they realize that, um, well, it's great if you have a security program in place and you can bring in an entry level person, an analyst or somebody like that to kind of run some of your tools and, and, and help with the day to day. That's nothing beats having somebody in house. So that's outstanding. But what most of the companies that we work with in that mid market and emerging size space find is that we actually don't need the capabilities of one person, like a virtual CISO or somebody, one person in-house, we need a fractional department because we need a little bit of time from architects and engineers and project managers, you know, and analysts. So that's, that's a challenge for them. So that what's the answer to all this? It's companies have to understand that there's not a, um, uh, a secret sauce or magic solution. It's, it's going to take all those all those players that I mentioned, right? They're, they're, you're going to have to do work in-house. It just, to, nobody can implement policies um, externally for you or, or much less enforce them, right? They can help you write them, but the company has to actually enforce them. There's a lot that's got to be done internally, um, regardless of which way you go. You need somebody handling your IT, right? Typically uh, either an in-house IT department or managed service provider or blend of both. Um, if you can get somebody in house, awesome, you know, do it. And then you're going to need somebody that's kind of quarterbacking, overseeing the whole thing as well. So, um, that's, those are the options out there in the marketplace. And I know that's, I went through a lot there, but it really boils down to those four. And when companies understand that that's how it works and it's not just one silver bullet, then they're going to be better off when they're looking through the marketplace and all the stuff out there to understand what's what. Cause I've seen, I've certainly not, not you guys, but I've seen other um, software platforms, for example, that promise a do it yourself approach and say, Hey, you're going to be SOC 2 compliant. If you just pay a fee for our, our software, it's like, Nope, that's not how it works. So unfortunately, um, you know, I mean, it, I mean, you know, companies will come to us after they've put themselves through the ringer with that kind of stuff and realized, Oh wait, that didn't work either. Or, you know, the it company is, saying they're do, doing cybersecurity, but then they have to be CMMC compliant. And the company goes, whoa, whoa, well, that's not, that's not us. Right. So it's different skill sets. It's a, it's a team sport. I, I'd be curious since you brought it up, what's kind of the most egregious example of uh, like a kind of bad cybersecurity marketing or misleading cybersecurity marketing that you've seen out there? I'd, I'd say it's some of the, some of the tools out there that are, that are prompt, that are basically leading people through their messaging to believe that, Hey, if I sign up for this, my, my cybersecurity program is handled for me. My policies are written for me. My, my controls are implemented. Like, no, that that's, that's not how it works. So there's a lot of um, stuff out there like that. And then I certainly seen it on the, 
the uh, IT company side as well, just saying, oh, we got you covered with cybersecurity, but um, that doesn't work, right? It's checks and balances. So I'd say there's there's two that I see the most, and it tends to be those two. So if I am an organization and I'm looking to uh, secure outsource services, whether that's you know the fractional department, as you called it, or, or VCCO or something else, like what are the things that I absolutely need to be asking so that I'm I'm not getting hoodwinked? Well, it, it's going to be different for different organizations. It's first of all, you need to ask if you're looking to build, if you're looking for cybersecurity in general, and you're serious about building a cyber risk management program to protect your company, you have to first figure out, well, what is our, what is it going to be based on? So when you're talking to companies and, and whether it be your IT company or whoever that might be, you're saying, well, what's our cybersecurity program based on? And they say, oh, well, we got this this good stuff going. We're doing your patching. We got your firewalls managed here. We're plugging in a SIM for you and all this stuff. It's like, well, that's that's not really the right answer. If they say, oh, well, it's off the NIST cybersecurity framework, that's and we're following those controls, or they say, well, it's CIS controls version eight, and we're implementing those, and we're eighty-seven percent the way through, or they say, well, we follow ISO 27001 standards and here's where we are, then you can rest assured that, okay, we're actually following a a, a recognized third-party standard, not a make-it-up-as-you-go approach. Mm-hmm. So that's always the first thing organizations should look at is what, when, when they're talking to somebody about cybersecurity and they're saying, yeah, we'll, we'll get you secure based on what? What does that mean, right? And so the, for those listeners that don't that aren't familiar with this, there are a lot of organizations out there like the National Institute of Standards and Technology and Center for Internet Security and such that have brought lots of smart people together. They've built these frameworks for us to follow. They all say, you know, 90, 95% of the same thing, but they're laid out in different ways or structured differently. And it's about finding the one that makes the most sense for your organization, the type, size, industry, all of that. And if, if you're, if whoever you're talking to knows what they're going to base their, their program on, then, then you're a step ahead. And a lot of people don't still, it's kind of, kind of surprising. Yeah. A couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, You've been in business for a long time now, uh, you know, both at the silent sector and the previous businesses. When you look back at your career as an entrepreneur, what's the single biggest mistake you made and what did you learn from it? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot. I I think it's, uh, I think if you're, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. I, I think one, it, it, what I alluded to earlier with, with silent sector, one big mistake was starting out with a shotgun blast approach. If you could fog a mirror and write a check when we were starting out, we would, we would do the work, you know, I mean, that was, and as, as do a lot of companies, but the more you can carve out a specific focus, the better off you're going to be. So, so that, that was a big, um, challenge in trying to narrow down from a infinite audience. So I would say get ultra specific versus going extremely broad. You can start narrow and then broaden out, but starting broad and trying to narrow down is you're, you're not speaking to anybody well at that point. So. I, I mean, is it, is it potentially the case though, that having that broad exposure right off the bat kind of, informed what you were ultimately going to, like what you guys were good at and ultimately like where the kind of the, the niche opportunities were? 
it it really did but had i had had i had known and a lot of people when they start businesses they're already in a specific industry for a long time they're in healthcare or aerospace or something so they start one with a focus on that and they get extremely good and extremely well known in that niche um yes i didn't have that that realm because i've done a bunch of different things and so so yeah it was for us it was the way we had to do it but had i had some better guidance early on and been able to do a little more intelligent level of research on where the demands really were and in relation to our skill set and what we're bringing to the table in our company's um, business model then i would have gone ultra narrow so i'd say take take some time up front, even if you aren't ultra well-versed in a specific industry, take some time up front and, and, uh, do that research and, and pick those that are interesting to you as well. And, and dive in that way versus the shotgun blast approach of, of reaching out to everybody. So that's, that's a big, that, that probably costs us a lot of time and effort and, and wasted marketing dollars and everything else. So I, I asked you about the last seven years, when you think about the next seven years, which gets us to the end of the decade, um, what do you think will be kind of the biggest changes in the space, the biggest challenges, the biggest headwinds? Like, how is this thing going to change? What's it, what's it going to look like seven years from now? As far as our, our company or as far as the industry in general? Your company and the industry, kind of what, what what's ahead? Yeah, I, I think, well, for us, we're, we're going to continue the course and we uh, on focus on expertise and and driving that now we we have a different model too there are a lot of issues around re- recruiting and retention and things like that so we're, we're going to take a different approach um that's probably that's something we're kind of keeping under wraps for the time being but basically we we're we're mirroring what we've what you know the things that we used to do in the unconventional warfare realm and, and human intelligence and such um that's so that's that's a longer term approach for us and really bring the experts to the people who who need it the most right and so that's that's our focus there's uh there's some intricacies behind that um for for another day but um the industry in general you know i think we've we're seeing this 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 huge uptick and just the availability of all kinds of different artificial intelligence platforms i mean that's that's here to stay i know you know big wigs are put signing signing documents saying we're going to put it on hold no once once the cat's out of the bag it's there no you know yeah. you can sign everything you want it's it's going forward so i think that's going to be revolutionary in uh what we do and i'm i'm not afraid of it in in terms of like a a hindering or you know or losing jobs or whatever there's going to be transition but i think we need to put a lot, put a lot of um focus on on that in that if if we have essentially infinite information at our fingertips how do we change how we think mm. so the cybersecurity industry and the people in it for the long long time have been paid for what they know right well the next evolution and, that, and that's your that's your evolution in in a career or anything else right first you get paid for what you do you know you're out mowing lawns or whatever it's that kind of that that type of work you're getting paid for what you do then you get paid for what you know and then after that, the next level is, is you get paid for how you think. Hmm. Well, how we think is going to start to supersede what we know as all this information is readily available at our fingertips, right? For example, somebody with no programming experience can jump on any of these platforms, right? And knock out a Python script pretty quick, right? It, it's not, it, so it's a, it's a 
game changer. So I know, I know there's already enough hype and stuff out there about this, but I think it's something to focus on. I also think it's, it, we need to focus on just better utilization of the cybersecurity professionals we have over the next seven, eight years, because we don't have time as a nation to get a bunch more security professionals to fill the demand through school and get them 10, 15 years of experience. We have to use what the army we have, not the army we want. Right. And that's, that's what we're fighting with. So I'd say, let's make sure um, over the, the rest of the decade that we're getting the most out of the professionals that we, we have as an, as an industry and get them focused on the right things, which is that, that human expertise, uh, connected directly to the people who need it. Right. And, and that's that hands-on support, um, not getting them tied up in bureaucracies and meetings all day and all, all that kind of stuff. So those are my, probably my main recommendations or what I, what I'm seeing over the next few years here. Good stuff. Well, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, my, my pleasure. Great chatting with you. Great chatting with you as well. Um, and check the show notes. Uh, everybody, when you get a chance, we'll have links to the Cyber Rants podcast, the book, and Silent Center's website as well. Uh, so, so go check it out. Um, all right, Zach, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Robbie. Bye. Bye.